0: Hello, and welcome to FGC Philosophy. I'm the philosopher, and this is where we talk about leveling up inside and outside the virtual arena every day. Of course, I am joined by my co-host, the Mega Meg Star. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about esports today. Um, there's a lot that is going on in the world of esports, in case you haven't been seeing a lot of the articles uh, on one side we have some studies coming out that eSports is actually increasing uh, some statistics in school we'll go over that and then also just the whole thing with uh, the Olympics and esports and we'll get to that as well there's a couple of good articles that I have that I can cite and I'll put that in the show notes as well before we get into that though I think it's important to talk about uh you know what's been going on with us what has been happening um I will let you go first Mega Maxstar. what's new in the world of you and uh with other other things competitive games you know whatever is uh taking your interest right now
1: I just uh, came back from a uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! regional in Detroit this last um, Saturday. It was either Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Sunday. But that was a whole lot of fun. The whole trip was great. Um, my two friends that went along with me had a lot more fun than I did because they actually played well and they did well. It was uh, nine rounds of um, nine rounds of Swiss. And we played, I think we played like seven or six, and then we dropped. But um, I think my one friend went, I think he got like three or four wins. And then the other one got like two or three. I only got one, but um, I was playing a super rogue kind of deck. So a deck that was like very non-meta. But um, overall, it was a lot of fun. And um, the best part about those events is actually like, getting trades and getting cards that you need because you run into a lot of people so there's a good chance that those people have the cards that you want for the decks that you're building or um there are these things called staples which are cards that are basically generically good for every deck so um i got a good amount of staples for just in general and a lot of really good trade value out of a lot of stuff. So overall, like I came out like pretty happy about the event in general.
0: That's really interesting to me. Uh like, so I like finding parallels and things, and I find it kind of fascinating in the world of like, I don't know anything about trading card games and in, in like regards to competitive play. And I think it's interesting that you know, like in fighting games, you play a bunch of casuals to get better, but it's and obviously, I'm sure that's the same case with this, but also like your deck can physically get better as well because you're going to these locals and trading with people I kind of like that idea you know it makes me think of Pokemon a little bit where you're like trading Pokemon to like <laughs> fill your roster up a little bit so I think that's that's pretty interesting
1: oh yeah and there's a lot of really cool people that you get to learn about because you could be running the same deck as somebody but they could be running a different kind of variant and it's very interesting because then you get their philosophy on like why they're running of said variant and why they're playing it the way they are with some decks you could be running uh, cause for Yu-Gi-Oh, the max amount of cards that you want to run is, or that you can run is three. So a lot of times like your best card, you want to run three ofs, but sometimes there are people that run like a one of or something or a two of, of something else. So it's very interesting getting those different kind of philosophies of, uh, what people are running and why they are running it and why it works and why it doesn't work. Um, for example, um, I'll use a very, very simple example. There's a card in the game called Upstart Goblin, and the card is very simple. It's a spell card. You play it and uh, the effect is you draw one card and your opponent gains a thousand life points. So overall, pretty good. And the maximum or the minimum amount of cards you can run is 40. So in a way, if you run that card, if you draw that card in your main opening hand, you essentially are running a 39 card deck which then makes your deck more um, consistent it makes your deck more consistent because you have less cards and you're getting into the cards that you need but if you're running 41 and you're running an upstart goblin there's no point you just get rid of it because the whole point of it is because you want to run 39 but i ran across a dude that was running 42 cards with an upstart goblin and he was he went through his philosophy with me where um you can go through a side deck in between rounds and you can switch in cards and he wanted to use that as a good fodder to put in a side deck and i'm like i guess that works but at the same time i don't i I can't necessarily agree with it because if you draw it it's not worth it's not worth like running it in your deck so it's interesting things like that where uh you run into some very cool and interesting philosophies and ways of life that people have. That is like the most thing I was into kind of recently. Um, I haven't been doing anything too crazy uh, other than that. So other than our regular locals and all that. Um, we did a Road Blitz, but that was like way back. Um, and I guess just to like rec- a small recap of uh, Aurora Blitz is I got fourth in Dragon Ball Fighter Z and I got second in Samurai Showdown. So I'm pretty happy about those results. Um, I did really bad at ex- uh, Smash Bros, but I didn't practice that game in the slightest. So I'm not. I'm not upset about that at all, um, but the group that we were with, it was
0: great and we had a lot
1: of fun. So it's a very small recap. That works out for the best.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you coming to Bronco beatdown? The smash tournament at Western? Yeah, I plan on it. Um, plan on helping you out with that one. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be um, fun. And I know we
1: just uh, you just set up the reschedule because we ran into the slight issue of it running at the same time of uh, Big House. Ooh,
0: so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna that's see scary. if I can go to Big House, actually,
1: cause that's, that'll... I don't know if I'll go to Big House, actually. If I'm going to Yomakon this year, I probably won't go to Big House, just because it's it's very close to each other, and I can really only afford so many big events at a time. Uh,
0: yeah, I wouldn't be going to Yomacon if I wasn't commentating probably because that is pretty pricey. So I, yeah, I I'm going to try
1: and shoot for that. I know I still got to get that commentary reel done, but um. still, still apply.
0: Uh, actually, uh, also, well, while I'm here, I'll, I'll quickly plug uh, <laughs> Yomacon because it's it's an anime convention. It's in Detroit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be at the Kobo Center again. And uh, it's. They have a fighting game tournament called the Battle Opera, the Yumekon Battle Opera (YBO), and um, they're gracious enough to let me commentate that. I did it last year for like 16 hours. I'm gonna do it again this year, bringing my family this time, which again, super grateful. Um, But it's really fun. So if you like like anime conventions and you like fighting game tournaments, you need to check out one or both of those things. You have to get into the anime convention to get to the Battle Opera. It's kind of like a a side thing, but yeah it's super exciting I can't wait for that um, Big House I probably won't be able to make but I want to see if I can uh, connect with the people from Big House and learn some things because like we're trying to do more Smash tournaments and um, it's interesting because like uh, to kind of get into you know stuff that's going on with me it is a lot of Smash Brothers even though I don't really play the game as much as I used to like I used to play Smash Brothers so much and now I kind of just like observe the scene like I'm almost like a, a Reddit uh, uh, I can't think of the term like a Thank you. Lurker, yes, thank you, thank you, a lurker. <laughs> and I'm just observing it grow, and now I'm trying to facilitate the the FGC or, or the Smash community, both really. But uh, at work, I'm kind of facilitating the Smash community because they're so big and they have that or like that existing platform in our area. And it's been like a, a wild ride trying to learn how to uh, grow a scene, grow a community, um, do the production for it as well. There's a lot of stuff going on, so it's uh, it's kind of all coming together. And now and I'm really excited for it um, I'm actually glad that we pushed it back two weeks because it gave me more time to prepare and, and, and market and, and uh, learn what we can do better because um, I'm hoping to, I don't know if it's going to be for ca- college students only right now, but uh, we're looking at doing some weeklies and then I want to do more Smash Brothers tournaments in the future because I think it's just, uh, it it would be really fun to be a part of that, you know um, and try to get some more commentators and get some good players coming out here and maybe level up my Smash a little bit because then I'll I'll be around a lot more Smash players so I'll I'll be forced to learn <laughs> more Smash, so it'll be actually really fun because my Incineroar and Snake game is pretty strong, you know uh, <laughs> I want to work on that um but yeah that's that's the biggest thing that's going on with me is is trying to grow a scene and and building it with college students who are huge gamers and a bunch of adults who are either casual gamers or not gamers at all and trying to to be that liaison between the two people and make something that's never been done before so it's like on one side it's super amazing because uh we're we're paving the road for like some in some form of like college esports production, not just like you know, there's tons of teams that are competing, like Robert Morris and uh, like Harrisburg and stuff like that. But in regards to like actually doing a production, hosting tournaments, bringing people here, learning about sponsorships and all that kind of stuff as an event organizer, um, and being able to like get multiple people to get experience in this field is is like kind of bonkers to me. And like I, it's hard to wrap my head around it. Um, I think I spend too much time just doing stuff rather than like processing what I'm actually doing. Um, but, but yeah, when, on one side, I'm like always super nervous cause I want things to be perfect. And the other side, I'm like just trying to figure out how I can make things better and, and continue to grow. Uh, but luckily, you know, things are looking up for esports. you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of university, uh, like just college and in school in general. And, uh, I want to go over this article. This is uh there's two that I have. There's one by the observer, which talks about the Olympics and we'll get into that in just a second. But the other thing is just on the school level and uh, not just in America, but this is worldwide, so you know i I work on stuff locally and, and now kind of statewide, but you know esports in general is is growing nationwide. And so I just want to I want to read this article. Um, I will post it in the show notes for you as well, because it's pretty good. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think this is a UK article. Um, But they did a lot of studies in all the continents that have people on them. And uh, they talked about over 70% of schools are now considering introducing competitive gaming to its curriculum um, in some shape or form. And obviously I work at a university that's already doing that. I've talked to a lot of high schools that want to do that or already are doing that in some capacity and trying to do it better. So it's, it's crazy because like you have North America, Latin America, the Asian Pacific, Europe, Middle East. You know, speaking of the Middle East, kind of a side note, uh, Tekken and Street Fighter. They have some strong players over there, like ridiculous. What's
1: going on? With I don't that? know. That I don't know what's
0: going on. With legit,
1: that. Like, yeah, players like Arslan Ash just coming out of nowhere, just kicking ass and taking names.
0: There's another player that just got sponsored that's better than him.
1: Yeah, I don't remember what his name is, though. So I, um, but I just remember Arslan Ash because of Evo. And I remember he was... Yep. Um, I think he was in uh, Combo Breaker, too. I'm, yeah, like, he got, like, top three. Yeah, I was about to say, he, like, kicked ass, man. And it top was, eight. like... Um, and obviously, it's just, like, he's from somewhere that you just wouldn't expect. Because it's not, it's not popular in terms of esports for people to come from the Middle East or in those like areas to be good at esports just because you don't see it as much. Yeah. Especially with like um areas with um League of Legends, right? Like we always get those um we always get the wild card teams and they're like from like Brazil and places like that. And they're still like okay, but you don't really hear much about the Middle East or those kind of areas, which is very interesting. And it's and it's a wake up call kind of that there are, it's worldwide. It really is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, one uh, on that same study, it talks about one in five schools are already, already have a dedicated esports program. And then an incredible 71% are thinking about doing the same. And this really isn't surprising to me. I mean, even before I, I dig too deep into the article itself, just from a, a personal level, if, if schools were supporting esports, just for a multitude of reasons, you know, it would be great because that's something that I've always been fascinated with is, is gaming and like I've been competitive, but like as a younger kid, I was like a. <laughs> uh, to kind of tie this into another video I watched, uh, did you watch the League of Legends uh, tilt? What t- type of tilt are you? You know, I didn't watch it, but I put myself.
1: I did the survey actually, and I was I was still like super interested in it because it really did it
0: it uh described me to a T, which is yeah, hilarious. So- <laughs> If you guys haven't watched the video, I recommended The video is pretty funny um, or take the test. I'll try to put links in the show notes as yeah. well for you guys because it's actually really, really good. And I think it's like a good starting point for a conversation. And I'm hoping at some point I can show this at the university arena and actually have a conversation with like students and staff about this because it's really, really fascinating. But to my point, I would be Lord DGAF. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I recommend you look it up. Basically, the, the short version is uh, you, you don't care <laughs> about things. And you kind of like what I would do a lot of times is what, like if something got too hard, I kind of just like, ah, it's whatever. I don't care. Like, I'd convince myself I didn't care, basically. And um, it would have been cool to have somebody support me and say, like, hey, this is something that's that's doable. You should put more effort into it. Um, and it's it's really fascinating to me that that this is this is the era that we're in. You know, I'm actually in that world where we're, you know, getting that happening. But just, like, seeing people talking about it and it's happening worldwide, you know, that, that's pretty bonkers to me. It wasn't even, like,
1: conceived a decade ago in a way. Yeah where like we weren't even thinking about it. I remember uh back when I was in high school, um around my like uh junior sophomore honestly yeah probably like freshman through senior year. I was I, I came from a really small school, but I was really hoping I could maybe start up a league like club. But I obviously never was able to but like it was in my dreams where it's like dude it'd be so cool if i could do a league of legends club for the high school but coming from a small school they don't have a lot of budget and the budget's not going into computers so computers are already like not great and then of course like you have to get a teacher to sponsor you and we don't have that many teachers to sponsor in the first place so but it in a way it was it was a pipe dream but it it's definitely an achievable dream for a lot of a lot of people right now in terms of their schools. Yeah. Just because like it's a lot more popular, it's becoming a lot more worldwide. It's actually kind of funny. My um just recently I was talking to my parents and they were telling me uh, they were talking to me about that recent uh, really big Fortnite tournament that happened. I don't follow Fortnite myself too much, but I I at least like I, I understood what they were going on about because of that uh, tournament that happened and that kid that won. And they were like, that's crazy. Like, this stuff is huge. And my mom's like, this is like this is a really this is a real thing and I'm like yeah it really is like it's it's funny to me when my parents come and talk to me about it like I don't have to bring up the subject like it's already Mm -hmm. in the circle and it's just funny to me thinking about that but um it's cool it really is to just think that everything that like as a kid for me in high school that was kind of like a pipe dream is a pretty achievable dream for a lot of kids right now in high school. The
0: the thing that's like really important to like pay attention to is that a lot of schools are getting into this like and I think the reason they're justifying you know paying for equipment now is because it is a good recruiting tool for like high schools and for colleges because to not go into the numbers like colleges universities in general like their numbers are lower you know they're they're Times are changing. Not as many kids are valuing a degree, nor is it as cheap as it used to be. It's like twice as expensive, but uh, it's like half as worth to get a degree nowadays i I, those numbers don't quote me on those numbers but it's it just feels a lot less worth getting a degree because you can learn through so many different facets so i think that the fact that universities and and high schools are getting into uh esports is a, a good thing and they're also like one of the things they're kind of toting is that it's it's helped kids prepare for life beyond education um and one of the things that's really important for me that I like to talk about is the fact that I think there's a lot of personal growth, or personal development that you can get from gaming. Because, you know, especially fighting games for me, you know, you you can't get better without losing. And that's an important life lesson for kids to have nowadays. especially with how easy and accessible things are for For most people that are younger than us or around, you know, around your age, even younger, like life is very accessible. Like everything is a la carte, you know, (laughs) your, your food, your social media, like interacting with people, your, like your content consumption, YouTube, Netflix, uh, so many other, you know, HBO Go, so on. Like the list is like infinite now. Uh, You can get everything. Day one delivery. But Growth doesn't work that way. You can't just win. You can't, you know, unless unless you're EA, you can't buy yourself to victory. <laughs> That's an inside joke for gamers who who understand that. Uh but yeah, it's it, it's an important life lesson that I think like not just my my concern is a lot of schools are exploiting esports and they don't understand it and they're like, "Yeah, let's hop on the esports train. Let's do this thing the kids are doing."
1: Yeah, they're going to they're going to jump on it from a very very surface level.
0: Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, I've said since the get go is that there's a lot of personal growth that we need to talk about, and remind these kids, because, you know, n- realistically, not every one of these kids is going to be a pro. It's like football or anything else. Not all of them are going to be the best. It's just not possible. But all of them can take those life lessons and move on to other things. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest things when they talk about in this article that, you know, life beyond um Education and then also developing in demand job skills. You know, it's not just like not everyone's going to want to be a game player, you know, <laughs> like a, to be to like quote boomers, you know, not one's going to want to be a professional game player, but uh, they can take lessons, tilting, you know, learning emotional control, not getting so upset with people around you, your coworkers, your teammates. That's that's important and that can be taught via gaming if they have a good coach or a good mentor, or a good, you know, manager, or whatever that might be.
1: Right. And in the same vein, too, like, I mean, kids that play football in high school, they're not obviously most of the time they don't go to college just to play football or end up at the NFL. But in those very surface levels where they're playing football, soccer, track, you learn how to train yourself, improve yourself, work on your own person. And you get to find out who you truly are, actually, in in those aspects where I did when I was in high school and um, like all of middle school, I did like almost all sports that I could try to do. And in those veins, I found out like what sports I really like, what sports I don't like at all. And then I also find some new things that I enjoy and some new things that you can like learn from. Like I wouldn't have learned that how much I actually like enjoyed golf if it wasn't for me trying out to play golf, like my sophomore, junior year of high school. So in that same vein right like if high schools just add these uh clubs for the kids to try you know they don't know what they will like until they hit that right so if they're starting like a fighting game club right like you might run into a fighting game that you've never heard of but like once you try it you're like wait this game's really fun i really like this game and then it kind of goes off from there and um it honestly like It can form you as a person in the end, because I don't talk about this much, but a lot of uh, my life was in a way roundabout um, turned around because of League. And everybody like a lot of people that I've met, my current roommates, my current best friends in the world were because of League of Legends. And if I didn't learn about League of Legends around my high school time and learned that these people in my circle played league, I wouldn't have gotten into my friend circle and I wouldn't have gotten to where I am now. So it's those small things that like, um, obviously there wasn't a league club in high school, but it was something, it was a topic of discussion. It was a topic where we all could relate to. And when you give that ability for kids to join in and be a part of a circle, it adds to these, like, uh, adds these things that they can do and, overall like reflects what they can do in their future or reflects what they do in the future. So yeah. it, it it's crazy to think about stuff like that, where those small little things can really add up. They really can.
0: Yeah. Those experiences can make a huge difference. You know, like uh, some of my closest friends are people that I met in college and in college, like that age range. If you're in college is like a really impressionable time because you're kind of finding yourself for the first time, especially if you're away from your family, if you're in a different city or state, you're, you're really finding yourself in it's, Interesting because I've made so many friends through gaming, and I'm similar to you where I've had games like Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 and League of Legends. I've been playing that, I found out since like at least 2012 because I have skins from from back then. <laughs> yep, I, but, uh, I have skins
1: from 2012, baby.
0: Yeah, um, so it's I have so many friends that I'm still friends with or co workers that I I'd still uh, have contact with because of gaming, especially since I moved around a lot. I've lived in like four or five different states, and I, I maintain contact with the people that play games because i can still have experiences with them despite the distance Mm. um and in local the first time i started doing like a local event that was a game changer for me too i didn't know those type of things even existed until i went to like a fighting game uh local in huntsville alabama and I was like, this is crazy. A lot of the people were kind of jerks and like uh, elitist. But the idea of it was really cool. And like I tried it out again in San Diego and they were way more welcoming. And I got to see like some of the best Marvel players uh, in, in Southern California. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's insane. And then what's really cool to me is that in these studies, and actually uh, there's a, another article that's being quoted inside this article by uh, The Gamer. And they speak with uh, high, the high school esports league, uh, cell. And I'm familiar with them because I've talked to them, and there's some things we're working on with them that might happen in the future. We don't know just yet. Uh but there's some studies that say that there's an average increase in their GPA in some of the students GPAs by 1.4 points. Um, and then like a 94% improvement in attendance. So more students are going to school. It might be because they're playing video games, but it doesn't matter. They're getting in school. And what matters is that they're coming. They're there. Like that's it. Yeah, exactly. And I still have some gripes about schools in general and the way they're structured, you know, cause I didn't have a great experience and I think that things can be done better, but that's that's besides the point, you know, for the schools that are doing good and have an opportunity to help these kids grow to be the leaders of this country one day or other countries, um, you know, gaming is kind of helping with that. And it's increasing their GPA. And I, I have my own suspicions as to why that might be. Um, but I will I will save that for now. But it's just it's amazing to see. Um, it's amazing to see how much gaming is growing. And it's not just growing from the perspective of, of schools, but just nationwide to where it's being recognized parallel to the olympics which is like the top the highest of the high in terms of competitive display and it's it's crazy that we're getting to that point now one thing i do want to mention is that esports is not officially part of the olympics yet yeah it is the essentially running along it's almost like the side tournament it's like someone was like hey the Olympics is a huge thing, but no one can stop us from hosting a tournament alongside the Olympics, and I, I think that's that's one important thing to really clarify, like upfront. But you know, there's five hundred thousand dollars on the line here for these two games, and just for a little bit of backstory, um, it's it's the Intel. Um, they're they're a world partner, so they're partnering up uh, with Tokyo twenty twenty, and they're doing Street Fighter. Uh, which I, I've mentioned several times in the past with Capcom really leaning into eSports, and this does not surprise me at all. Uh, so I'm hoping that there's some like documentation of me talking about this in the past. Then there's also Rocket League. That one surprised me the most. I, I'm not surprised, and here's why. Uh, An article actually reflects this. Um, the one reason I use Rocket League a lot It's super simple. It's a really simple to understand game, but it's different enough to be entertaining. Like no one wants to really see Madden or NBA 2K or like NHL. Like those are fun games and they are in the realm of esports, but I don't think they can hold the numbers in terms of viewership. But Rocket League is this game where anybody can hop in and immediately understand what's going on. It's like the Smash Brothers of sports games.
1: It is perfect for the spectators
0: because it has a low, a low skill ceiling a low skill floor and a high skill ceiling. You know, you can hop into the game and you can immediately score a goal and like win some games. But it takes a little bit of effort to like, a lot of bit of effort to get to like where the masters are. So it's, it's such an accessible game. You know, it's almost like a party game and it has party modes. Um, and I think that's why this game is, so, uh, is doing so well. Plus, um, and this is something that I talked about too, was uh, Unreal or Epic purchasing the ip rocket league and i was like why why are they doing this why would they why why would they buy this game like it's a popular game but what's their angle and i would assume that it was something like this and it's 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 crazy to see that you know um so, real quick, I'll read a little bit of the excerpts from this article. This is from the Examiner. This is esports uh, the Observer, excuse me, the Esports Observer. Um, but the International Olympic Committee or IOC uh, is a worldwide sponsor. Uh, Intel has teamed up with them to announce an Intel World Open, an esports competition that will take place in the run up to the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Um, so each game is going to be rewarded. The winners are going to be rewarded $250,000 equaling up to a grand total of $500,000. $1000 which is a little bit low to me compared to like you know Fortnite or something like that Dota 2 Yeah, Dota 2 exactly. Dota 2 has the highest number right now. They they broke the record. A lot of people think it's Fortnite, but it's not. Fortnite has the biggest individual payout, but Dota has the biggest payout period. They beat them like a week later after that Fortnite tournament, but they didn't get as much press yeah. because it's not as sensational, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, this is going to be held in July 2020 through 2024. What's kind of cool is they're doing online qualifiers. Uh, which could go either way. Uh, but qualifiers will allow anyone from the participating countries to compete for a chance to be named to his or her national team. So basically represent America, uh, uh, Asia, Wow, China, whatever country it is. And then with the live qualifying event being held in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's in Poland. <laughs> it's in a city in Poland in, in June. So that's going to be really exciting because it's going to be kind of uh, like just not rat race but this event you know this this league that you're going to be doing online and then you'd be a representative of your country and then you represent your country at this tournament it's kind of like the evo um but bigger because you know evo is in my opinion like professional grassroots you know the people that do it they they started from the beginning they've been doing it since like the arcade days uh but now now they're growing into you know now street fighter is going to be on this event i don't know where it's going to be televised just yet other than twitch i assume it's going to be on some cable network channel um but i think the numbers on twitch are going to be higher either way but the crossover is going to be very fascinating to see what what's going to happen there it's a pretty good chance it'll be on the e league channel yep yeah, um they do they do reference e league in the article
1: because it's street fighter 5 i would at least for street fighter 5 i would bet that it would be um on the e-league like tv channel and i remember um back when i was living with my parents and we did have cable tv just checking out the e-league channel and it was really interesting just seeing them doing um uh what would you call them uh splits like the spring or summer splits just constantly doing stuff with street fighter and having players like um punk and like uh Or not punk. Smug and... um, I'm going to think of another name. I'm going to get it. Uh, Filipino champ. Ha-ha. There we go. And, like, them playing and stuff and um, them doing, like, constant, like, little bracket tournaments. It's really interesting seeing that. Um, So, I think it is a very smart choice to go with Rocket League. Rocket League is definitely, like, such a good, like it it wouldn't have been the like first choice for me because it's not the first thing that i think of but when you think about something that's simple and easy to watch as a spectator sport rocket league is genius it's genius and it's perfect for that like um thing street fighter as much as i like uh i'm fine with street fighter i feel like there might be uh, i don't know <sighs>
0: there's definitely better games yeah. better fighting games i just than don't Fighter. know
1: like because in terms of a hype level and in terms of as a spectator i personally enjoy like tekken way more but tekken may be even more difficult to understand because it's a 3d field personally i understand but i almost feel like there could have been better choices at least in those two choices but um i'm sure in the future we'll probably get better stuff um yeah, at first I was thinking Smash, but Smash in of itself is already confusing as hell just because it's a rule set made by the community. So that's already become would become an issue with Nintendo. I'm excited to see what they'll do with it, even though it's going to be quite a while before we see anything, just because it'll be 2020 in the summer. Um, so we still li- we literally got like a year before we see anything. That'll be actually interesting to see, too, because it's possible Street Fighter V like, might die out. Not because I'm going to think it's dying out right now, but if there's no new content within a year, like are people going to still play the game? I don't know. And, I, I mean, Rocket League seems like it'll just never die. I I always hear about Rocket League here and there, and I don't personally follow like the competitive scene that much, so I have no idea how much the game is actually changing content-wise. So... But I could probably take a look at the numbers now and be like, okay, well, that's actually pretty good right now. Um, by the way, uh, here's a question: Is in term Rocket League is crossplay with the PS4 platform? I know that, but are they crossplay with the Xbox platform?
0: I believe so, because the issue was originally PS4 was the one that was not crossplay. I I've- I thought it was originally PS4 was crossplay with it with the PC. <sighs> I remember PS4 being an issue with crossplay on like certain games. Maybe that was Fortnite. I'm thinking of Fortnite that's was Fortnite, the, Fortnite was okay. the biggest one. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, actually,
1: because that I think that's the part that's interesting. Because I know Street Fighter at the very least is crossplay with PC and PS4. I don't know. Nobody really plays Street Fighter on Xbox, anyways. So I guess that's like a thing. But I think that's also something that should be looked into because it's in a uh, Olympic style, right? Um, I think this is something that, um, it will probably be another topic in another video because it's a really big topic right now because of, uh, just a lot of stuff that's happened with like say jam and Maximilian and people talking about like stuff where you need more from fighting games and why we're so up, like why we shouldn't be so apologetic. But something on my side is, uh, I think all fighting games should work on being cross platform upon, all platforms okay there's no reason why you should be able to why somebody from another platform can't play against another person because they own it's from a different platform it separates a community that shouldn't be separated and then it keeps and you hear a lot of stuff like since i play dragon ball fighter z a lot um the switch community is dead Like there's nobody that plays the Switch community. Xbox is not nearly as popular. And if you wanna play a competitive, what people call a competitive high tier level, you play PS4. And if you can't do that, you play PC, but even then PC isn't nearly as quote unquote great. So why do we have to run into those issues where it's like that? So I think when we're running into issues where we're getting into Olympics, we're getting into super like high tier levels of tournament play, We should also think about in game like we can't separate players from other players, especially online. And that's why when they say they're going to run online uh, like an online, uh, what was it, qualifiers, their cross play games, that's very genius because it helps anybody can play
0: but if you threw it up for like dragon ball or something you couldn't it would have to be ps4 that's just the tournament standard unless 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 they were willing to like go against the tournament standard which mm, you don't do no yeah they're
1: like oh yeah we're doing, do. we're doing dragon ball fighter z on
0: the switch like Switch and pc only
1: uh, i guess yeah I'm no in the switch <laughs> i guess right I'm yeah you can't like, do that you just can't right like yep so when we're running into things like that where online qualifiers are huge, especially especially when it comes down to high school leagues, right? When we're getting into high school leagues, um, it's important to know, like, if one high school is running a game on a certain system and another high school is running a game on a certain system. Maybe it's just because of what happens, like what people have Because a lot of times it's probably going to come down to especially if it's clubs, like especially how we have it at our locals, you bring your own setup. So if somebody's setup is not the setup that somebody is setting up for in terms of whatever you're playing high school wise, or maybe even college wise, how the hell are we going to play? How the hell are we <laughs> going to like compete? So Again, this is this is a completely like super off topic, but I think it is something to think about and to be addressed in
0: that manner. Yeah. Well, to kind of bring it back full circle, I there's a couple of things that I I think about when I when I hear this with Olympics. One, uh, I hadn't thought about this before, but I do think, especially if enough people talk about it, is the idea of more fighting games being crossplay, more games in general, but especially fighting games because our community is. It's hard to grow in as it is. You know, I, I come across people like, oh, what, you know, I play MK, I do too. What do you play on Xbox? I'm like, crap. Okay, what are you playing on PC? Ah, dang it. You know, that's why I, I buy most of my games on like PS4 and PC if I'm trying to like take it somewhat serious because it's like I want to run into people and train. And it's like, it sucks that I, you know, I have to pay buy the game twice. Um, you know, which is helping the developers, honestly, but it's not really helping the individual, <laughs> in the sense of like they're they're having to pay more money, and then also like segregating who they're talking to. They have to like switch between different communities, the platform switching between each other. And it is not that good. So I do think that that might encourage more developers to be cross crossplay. If possible, you know, you're probably going to see, you're probably not going to see too many switches on there, but PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Those are the main, for sure. Yeah, and then honestly, we're getting close to the new generations anyway, so I think they really need to push hard on that, because... P- gamers are getting smarter they're getting older you know i'm 32 now and we have gamers who are older than me and that's like my age is average for <laughs> gamers it's like 25 to 35 is like the average gamer you know you have the younger kids now because they're being born into it but you have people like me that uh, i'm not stupid i know that you can do cross play i have a bachelor's degree in animation and game design like don't try to fool me into thinking that it's beyond our technology it's no hard. you're being greedy it's it's totally possible it just you guys don't want to do it and you know, I I have been watching Sageam and and uh, Maximilian talk about this kind of stuff, and I, I do agree with it a lot. And that's why a lot of times I'll I'll vote my wallet and I'll wait until games go on sale because I'm not going to pay full price for a lot of these games. Street Fighter was a special exception for me because I really wanted to get in on it early and I wanted to finally be decent at a fighting game. Like I wanted to, my, my goal was to like hit gold and rank mode and start winning some tournaments. And I, I did both those things. And I gotta set the bar high, higher now, uh, but. Yeah, it, it. I knew getting into it like that was like I'm not getting a sixty dollar game. You know, I'm getting an early access game that's being sold as a six dollar game, but it's really early access. Uh, but I also see a couple different things in this because I, I see that this could be a reoccurring thing. Like I, I think that Rocket League and Street Fighter are the gateway drugs to, <laughs> yeah, gateway drugs to uh, the gateway games. I'll say to. Uh, other games being exposed it's like okay well that was actually pretty cool but what other games do you have to like show me you know now they're willing to learn street fighter is just a stable game it's been like everyone knows what street fighter is you have health bars you have characters like ken and ryu and they throw fireballs out like everyone even non-gamers know what that is that's why that one made it because of their legacy street fighter 5 isn't the best of the street fighters i i can say that objectively i think that a lot of people would would agree with that um i i love the game but i know that uh i i like it for a lot of different reasons, because I think it's helped me get better at a lot of other fighting games. And I'm also put a lot of time into it, um, but I understand and I can see objectively why people don't think the game is good. A lot of times I, I disagree with those things, but that's besides the fact the game has a legacy. It's been around since like the regular Nintendo. Um, so, or Famicom, whatever, you, whatever you played on so that's definitely why that got picked and then what you're going to see happening is you know every two years there's going to be tournaments and it's easier to set up and this is the big thing that i think is going to happen i I want to see the numbers of these two tournaments versus the olympics from 2020 because i think there's a good chance they can rival the numbers of the olympics which i think is their main goal that's why it's it's basically a side tournament right now and i think that Potentially, this could rival the numbers of the Olympics in terms of viewership. And uh, I think that would be a huge blow and a reality check for people who do traditional Olympics because no one will deny that their feats of Athleticism are amazing. But not everybody wants to watch that. Some people want to watch people throw down in Street Fighter. People want to see people throw down in like Tekken or Hearthstone or League of Legends. They want to see that kind of stuff because that's the new thing. Those things are highly skilled. They're hard to do. They're impressive. They're more complex and they're more relatable because these people have played those games and it's more accessible. Not everyone can play basketball and want to get all sweaty and, and, and do that. Um and, and do that every day and, and have an area to do that, but everyone can and sit down on the computer if they can afford one, and, and play some games or a console. Uh, so that's the biggest thing is that the numbers are going to be really important to keep an eye on to see if they do it again next year. Look at the numbers of how much money is being paid out because I think again five hundred thousand dollars is very low. I think at the minimum they should have did a million dollars and did five hundred thousand dollars for both games. Uh, but I, I'm glad to see this is happening because I, I think their goal is to get recognized by the Olympics and be like, hey, we can get the numbers. You just gotta give us a chance. So that's that's where I see it going. Um, so I, and then also, yeah, a lot of the fighting game stuff to kinda like you know, this is FGC philosophy. I do wanna see uh more improvements, online training mode for that's what I want. Online training for more games. MK has it, I think. It's so simple.
1: It's yeah, they do. Uh Sam show has it too. And Sam show also has a lot of flaws itself. But they've they fixed a couple in these uh in a couple patches. But um, In other sense, I actually wanted to talk about something because I just reminded myself. Um, So the key word, right, for this Olympic stuff is simple spectator, right? Games that are simple and are spectator friendly. I, if this is like what it's going to turn into, right? If it becomes a general populace, like... Thing that people can just spectate, right? You turn it on and you could just watch it because it's simple, right? Um, I think we might see a slight shift in terms of fighting games or games in general that will make them more simpler and spectator-friendly to appeal to the mass media. So, like, we got games like... Um, I want to say like in terms of tag tag fighters, Blaze Blue Cross Tag is easily like the most simple game, but that game is still like weirdly enough very it's crazy. It it's it's unique and it's I would say like in terms of jumping into a tag team fighter, it's definitely like my vote or my go to for someone to jump into and start playing because it's a lot easier uh to learn for sure. And but it's still not spectator friendly because there's still so much going on, um, even though it's made to be simpler. It's literally like a three button fighter, quite like, well, four button, but you have two attack, but three attack buttons and a switch button. And I guess you have your assist button. But like most of your buttons, you're literally pressing like two buttons. Like most of your attacks are literally like A, A, B, 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 B. See, like that's it. You're like, okay, so, and in that sense, the game is still not spectator friendly. It's still like, I, I played at a very casual level, like not that competitively serious. And when I watch like high tier tournaments, I'm like, what? What is happening?
0: Like, it, it gets that crazy, right? I played the game in my locals and, and when like uh, you know Noah plays against me I, I see the same exact thing I'm like what just happened what are you doing what is happening <laughs> it's, not, like, it's this not, not very simple I
1: thought right yeah. so
0: it's really I, not.
1: I would really like to see and we've already seen an a huge amount like of super simple games we got games like foot dive we got games like um Nidhogg Nidhog. <laughs> Nidhogg's good um uh, what was uh, the, the, who's the guys that are developing the League of Legends fighting games? What did, what game did they make? Oh, it was like a uh, blitz or something like that. And then you're talking about the robot fighting game. Yeah. That game. Super simple. So, mm. and I know, um, Corey made a really good video on this. Um, rising thunder, rising thunder. Yeah. Um, Corey made a very good video about this, talking about like the level of simplicity in fighting games and how it can like add to how competitive it is and how many people, like, still can get into it. Um, Especially, like, games like footsies. Like, that game's pretty, like, super simple, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, So I'm very curious to see what we can do in terms of a fighting game community to make uh, simple games, a simple game that's still very, like, competitive... And then also very spectator friendly. It's very difficult to do that just because we would have to rearrange everything of what fighting games already are and fighting games at a base level are confusing. They're very scary to jump into as a newbie and they're very difficult to get like a like good stand on it. And that can go for like a lot of hobbies, but fighting games in of itself, like Street Fighter V, I think it's honestly, like one of the harder games to get into for sure, just because studying up on frame data is like scary. It's such like a scary thought to get into as a like casual player trying to get into it. Right. Where it's like, you got to learn like what can link and what like doesn't work and what's unsafe and what's safe versus like playing, I don't know,
0: Power Rangers. <laughs> well, here's the thing with Street Fighter Five though, is that like a lot of people, that play street fighter say that street fighter is too simple and it's it's interesting because i didn't get into competitive street fighter until street fighter 4 and i thought street fighter 4 was too complicated for me to get, just hop into it i got into it you know during the ultra so i'd like the tail end of street fighter 4 and i i go back and forth with people about this all the time because i i think that Street Fighter 5 is a complicated game but to people who have been playing fighting games for years it's like really simplistic and it's uh, I understand their frustration with the game and I think there's things that can be done to be improved and they've they've been doing those things uh some of those things uh but I also think that There has to be some form of simplicity to the game, and there is some simplicity to it, and it is also very still complex and very executionally demanding in certain things, which is easier to do because it doesn't need to be – like, people got mad when they took out Plinking. There's no reason for you to use – there's no reason for you to have to do an exploit in a game to get an extra frame to do something – because that wasn't really even originally intended like Do you want quick, to describe plinking yeah. to uh, So a, a quick definition of plinking is basically in Street Fighter 4 and other fighting games you can press two buttons really fast in rapid succession and It'll trick the game into thinking that you're pressing three buttons and there's something about that when you're doing it It gives you an extra frame to attack. So basically You can do certain combos that you normally wouldn't be able to do because it's just physically impossible to do those combos unless you like or it's very, very hard to do those combos unless you give yourself that extra frame, uh, the extra window of time to do that combo. So basically you're, you're doing something that's physically or executionally challenging to create an exploit that gives you an advantage over people who have a harder time doing those certain things. Whereas in Street Fighter V, uh, they have it to where there's a buffer. So they automatically give you those extra frames that you normally would have to do that exploit to get. And some people are upset about that because it makes it harder or makes it easier for people to do. And I think that's kind of bonkers. Personally, um, I do like to respect a high level of skill, but that's something that's unnecessarily hard for, for no reason. And there was a glitch. Like it's not that wasn't intended. So now they just made it easier to do that. It's still hard. You still have like three frames to do something and you have to time it properly. You just have to do it with more discipline. You don't need to like press like a couple of buttons to make it happen that way. So it's 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 kind of crazy. There's things like that. Option selects where you, you can do multiple things by doing some sort of input. And depending on what happens, you do one or two things based off of what your opponent does, which makes it easier for you to deal with multiple situations. And again, that's kind of confusing and really hard to illustrate for casual uh, observers. People who don't play the game aren't going to pick that up. Um, and I, I think that... Having the game still be very complicated and and uh, you know having the game be very in depth, having the game be something that takes time to play. You you can't just win on pure luck. There's no like there's not enough RNG for you to be able to win. You still have to be disciplined in the game. You know have enough variety. Like people complain about like you know you can use these three buttons with Kareen and win. You know stuff like that isn't good. But if you're able to play the game. Pick it up pretty simply, but the, the, the skill ceiling, like, you know, Smash Brothers is another great example. It's, it's actually really simple to pick up the game once you sit down and play it. Spectating is a different story. But once you actually get into the competitive side of things, it gets harder and harder and harder and you have to do more and more things. So it's a game that's really simple to pick up. But has a high skill ceiling because of how in depth the game is. So it's like people getting into it can have fun, feel satisfied. There's a lot of options. You know, there's a lot of single player or party options to keep people entertained, which is like the whole arcade uh, mode scenario fiasco that happened with Street Fighter V when it didn't come out initially with it and it came out later on as DLC. Uh, So that's kind of my mindset with it is that like people say that Street Fighter V is really simple. Obviously, you say that it's really hard. And clearly, there is a gap of understanding where people who play the game, think it's easy. And then newbies getting into it are like, this is really hard. I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do. But it's a really simple game. You see it. Your health bar goes down. You know, you lose. You have some extra meter, which gives you enhanced moves. It's very straightforward. You glow yellow and like you flash. You see they use a meter goes away. You know, um, you do a get off me move. They get off of you. You know, you do a super, it freezes into an animation and do some big damage, and you kind of understand the bar is gone. Like, everything is very self-explanatory. Whereas, like, Tekken um, or Guilty Gear, Roman cancels.
1: God, no, not Guilty Gear. Like, Guilty Gear is, as a spectator, like, even though I understand the game at a very base level, like, it's still, like, so incredibly confusing as a spectator to watch. Yeah. um, To add on to like, kind of like blinking. So there's actually kind of a thing going on right now in the smash community about L canceling. Actually, uh, this is the project M community specifically. So for people who don't know what L canceling is, whenever this is only in melee and project M, um, anytime you do an aerial move um, and you land on the ground, you have uh, ending lag and um, that ending lag is, normal, like whatever you can't do a move until you're back to after you're done recovering. So L canceling reduces that amount of time by a very vast amount. So anytime you do um, an aerial move right before you land, I believe it's like it's so weird. It's like five frames It's like five frames before you land. If you hit uh, L or R, it will reduce your recovery time by a large amount. And in terms of learning the game competitively, you need to learn how to L cancel because it increases your play by a large amount. Now, the thing that's interesting right now, especially specifically with the Project M community is um, when the Project M devs made the game, they added a um, a setting in the game that was auto L cancel. So very interesting thing where um right now uh people in Canada i believe it's Canada they've legalized using auto L cancel and their reasoning is because it's a it's a thing that among top tier players it doesn't matter Like, it doesn't make you a better player because you're already L-canceling. It doesn't make you an already better person. And it's a skill ceiling between people who are not as good and people who are good in between, like, if they don't L-cancel, then they're worse. And if they do L-cancel, then they're good. But people who are already L-canceling are at the same level, and it doesn't change whether or not you're better, right? So it's become um, a level of, like a discussion where should we turn on auto L cancel because it doesn't change the fact of that, making you a better player because you get L cancel. Um, and that's a very interesting topic in that sense where, um, it's something that could be added on for a new player to just learn and make it more difficult for someone who's new while people who are already playing the game, it's something that they just do already. And it doesn't change of what, like how the game goes on. Um, so all in all, it's just like, as a spectator, you don't know about that. If you watch melee, you have no idea that people are L canceling constantly. And if you see their their cam for their uh controllers they're mashing the fuck out of their controller because they're constantly short hop l-canceling um so it's an interesting topic to bring in newer players by making the game more simple in a fact where it takes out something that's unnecessarily difficult um so yeah like taking out planking and taking out l-canceling where it's already automatic it does it for you um it's cool, though. It's an interesting topic that I like to discuss, and I've definitely discussed it with uh, Darcy for a bit, too. And she she agrees just turning it on is completely fine because it doesn't make you a better player automatically. It just makes it, like, less difficult for you to
0: come in as a newcomer. Yeah. it's a It's a hard conversation to have. Um, I don't want to delve too much into it right now, but I, I, I am very fascinated by this because I, I can see both sides of the fence and, and like, you know, argue one way and play devil's advocate. Um, and that can be something we talk about in the future. Um, I'll also talk to Darcy tomorrow, so I'll, I'll see them. Um, so, yeah, that said, um, before we head out, you know, you know, what do you got? What do you got going on, if anything? And then, you know, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and talk to you?
1: Um I'm working on a couple of projects right now for Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Um some character videos. I'm thinking about changing up my um how my videos are done, but it's a project in the making. But you can find me on youtube.com slash megamaxstar. Um look at it for anything DBFZ tutorial-wise, and
0: um that's about it for me cool okay well on that note on uh, the philosopher uh, best way to reach me right now I would say is probably Twitter or Facebook um, twittercom slash the philosopher um, we're at the philosopher you can find me on there just Tavia Napier on Facebook there's not too many of those running around so you should be able to find me pretty easily biggest thing for me right now is we have a smash tournament coming up if you're in the Michigan area we got Bronco Beatdown coming on uh, so I'm really excited for that one uh, if you are interested in becoming a volunteer because i'm trying to get many people to to get experience in it i think we have enough people for it right now but you know people fall through life happens so i understand but you know casters um bracket judges i guess that's the normal name you know i call them tos but uh bracket judge i guess is like the the esports name for it perhaps or the smash name i'm not sure um but yeah so you can go to wesports.com, check that out uh make sure you guys you know let me know what you think about this whole situation when it comes to you know esports growing you know growing in a educational way and then also growing just worldwide to the point to where now it's is alongside the you know the the olympics this is really exciting for us to see. So I really would love to know what your thoughts are on all of this. So make sure you hit me up. If you don't want to leave comments down below uh, on Facebook, I've got a lot of people hit me up on Facebook, and I really appreciate that you guys motivate me. I'm really excited about that. And then the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that uh, I'm listening to I listen to a lot of audiobooks, right? And I've been listening to Ready Player One, and this is related to gaming and it's oh, man. OK, so I really really like this book. This is like the fifth time or sixth time I'm listening to this audiobook. It's ridiculous. It's voiced by Will Wheaton and uh, if you guys saw the movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause like I hate to be one of those guys that the book was so much better. At least the audiobook. It's voiced by Will Wheaton. So it's like it's, it's really great. Point being, if that's something that you've been interested in, you can get the book for free and also a free month of Audible if you go to TavianNapier.com audible. That helps me out as well. Full disclosure. Um, but I have been listening to audiobooks almost every day for like the last Jeez, since like 2012, how many years is that? Six years, seven years, something like that. So it's a, it's a good number of years. So it's something that I've been using personally. It's the only really thing that I i, I plug at this point, but it's something that uh, I use it mostly for person development. Ready Player One is like the only non fiction book that I actually have the non non person development book until I get the Harry Potter one. that's probably the, my next thing is Harry Potter audiobooks because I hear that's really good. Nonetheless, i digress thank you guys so much for sticking with me this has been a wild ride i'm looking at trying to get more content going it's hard to figure out the schedule and everything but uh, i really appreciate the people who do reach out to me you guys keep me motivated and and make me want to make more content and work harder in the world of competitive gaming slash esports so that said thank you guys so much and i will see you all in the next one